0: And we're starting with media-player-info. Yes, that is correct. We're doing a package that does not start with lib. That is very, very exciting. Media-player-info is not strictly a library, actually. Um, it, It is stored in the slash lib directory, but it is not, strictly speaking, a compiled library. Instead, it is a series of... Dot MPI files, which are just um, INI files. They're little configuration files with square brackets followed by uh, key value key pairs and the um the thing that is i'm just trying to grep for something really quick uh here we go uh the 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 files exist as ways of describing media players as you might have guessed from the name of the package so for instance here's a media player called the philips go gear opus um opus is unrelated entirely to the codec but it's funny. It's a funny example to use because um, it's recognizable and yet not recognizable. So, anyway, I'm going to more slash usr slash share slash media dash player dash info slash Phillips underscore go gear dash opus dot mpi. So, this is one of the files included in this package. And it says square bracket device, square bracket product equals gogear space opus. So that's the, the product name. Vendor equals Philips. Access protocol equals storage. So this is going to be seen as a storage device, or it wants to be seen, I should say, as a storage device. That's the default setting for gogear opus. It's using that MTP protocol, probably, that we were talking about, I don't know, a long time ago in the lib mtp section probably uh square bracket media close square bracket input formats equals audio slash x dash wave output formats equals audio slash mpeg audio slash x dash ms dash wma audio slash x dash flack that's cool. Audio slash AAC. Square bracket playlist. Close square bracket. format equals audio slash x dash mpeg URL. Square bracket storage. Square bracket playlist path. Oops. Playlists. No. Yeah. Playlist path equals playlists and then audio folders equals music semicolon video semicolon record all in capitals so you can kind of see how this i mean at least if you've ever owned a m- media player you can kind of see how this kind of describes or or could describe a, a media player that you yourself could might come across at some point you know it's it's a product it's got a vendor. It, there's a certain way of accessing it. It accepts wave input because it has an inbuilt uh, microphone. It, it has an output of MPEG and WMA and FLAC and AAC. It has playlists that you can use of a specific format. Here's where those playlists would be stored on that device. Here's where the music files that you would want to play back would be stored or the, the recordings that you would want to play back. Oh yeah, you can also do video. So... This is, um, this is describing the capabilities of this media player. The question, obviously, I think, is why? How does your computer know what to do with this .mpi file? Well, their configuration files um, stashed in uh, user share media player info. And I did say that some of this was kept in lib. Uh, so the other component of this is indeed in lib, slash lib, slash udev slash rules dot d and this uh these rules of course are associated with udev which is the hardware abstraction layer sort of um except not it's udev um that was kind of a A weird reference to an old, the old, before UDev, there was HAL, Hardware Abstraction Layer. Uh, HAL I didn't love, although to be fair, it was quite, I was still kind of a new Linux user when I had to deal with HAL. This was back in Slackware, like, 12.0, 12.1, maybe 12.2. Or, yeah, I, I imagine... I don't believe Pat would have switched to Udev in a point in a dot release. So it, surely Hal would have had to been around for twelve, twelve one, twelve two. And then thirteen must have been the start of Udev. It's really funny to think about um the fact that I was a new Linux user three versions of Slackware ago. But if we if we measure it by Fedora time, it's thirty something like thirty-two versions <laughs> ago. That's weird. That is a little bit weird to think about. But I mean, it's accurate, right? I mean, that's that's the that's the Slackware guarantee. You 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 will be able to look back just a couple of versions <laughs> and barely remember like what Linux was like back then and then and then you'll yeah. Um so anyway, udev, what it does and this is kind of an interesting thing is udev sits on your computer, obviously it's software on your computer, and it listens for things being attached to your computer it probes that device and then it it allows you to sort out what to do with that device based on a set of rules now i will admit i'm i'm quite i'm overall i'm quite happy with you dev i think it does its job really well i will admit the rule syntax i don't i don't love the rule syntax i i do believe it could be a little bit more elegant um but it, 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 it does its job, generally speaking. I, I'm not convinced that it restarts when I tell it to restart. I'm, I'm very much, very much all about rebooting your computer if you're changing your UDEV rules. That's just, a, I, I do not believe it will work without a reboot. That is my belief, um, based on a lot of testing. So it, it, is, it is good, though. I mean, I, I see the logic behind it. I see what, it's, what it thinks it is doing. I th- I see what it's meant to do what it's designed to do I quite like it so in slash lib slash udev slash rules dot d there's a 40 usb dash media dash players dot rules and it has a series of of actions that it's listening for because you can have different kinds of actions that you dev could detect for instance you could add a device to your computer by plugging it into your usb port for instance or you could remove that usb device you can you can ignore the remove right this udev rule if you're removing a media player this udev rule doesn't have anything to say about that that's not what the media player info package is all about it wants to detect when a media player is attached and then do something based on what media player it is and the thing that it's doing is it's associating that mpi file with that device so this this these rules it listens for an add or a change action and then and and in fact it says the very first line is action exclamation point equals add pipe change go to media player end so it is saying if the action is not either an add or a change then go to media player end like just go to the end of this of this uh, file and the way this is one of the things that uh the, the way that you sort of provide markers in um in the udev rules is you just you you make a label label equals media player end and then you just have nothing after it it's a little bit a little bit awkward i don't know don't love it um i mean i you know i also didn't write udev so (laughs) maybe that's just maybe that was just the easiest way to do this And, and i i I understand. I I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want something more complex than it had to be. So, um, so then the the next line here is, uh, catch MTP devices. That's a, a comment. But so what that's saying is that the, uh, environment of the dev type has to equal a USB underscore device. So if, if you're, if you, if, you know, Udev is monitoring something and if you attach, um, what other kind of ports are there? An audio, does it detect audio? Surely it detects audio. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you plug in an audio uh, cable that's not USB, then it's, it's going to ignore it. In this case, it, it, it doesn't care about that. It's only going to catch the device, devices that are classified as USB underscore device. And it says explicitly in that case, if you're, if, if UDEV detects that, it's going to go to the label of media underscore player underscore start. Uh, and, and it goes on like that for a while, but I mean, the, the meat of the, of the script is that it's, listen, it's looking for the attributes, specific attributes. So it's got ATTRS, curly brace, vendor, close curly brace, equals equals, quote, asterisk for a wildcard, apple, close uh, well asterisk close quote comma and attributes for the model would be ipod and in in that case then it's going to create an environment setting id media player equals apple underscore ipod so that's the quick and easy way to detect, for, for you dev to detect whether, you know, is this an Apple device? Well, if it is, then it's going to give it the label, or the environment variable, Apple underscore iPod, and now everything that needs to know what this thing is can just query for an environment variable and discover, yeah, okay, it's an Apple underscore iPod, got it. And there's a couple of others that get explicitly listed in this rule. For instance, there's the Motorola, Mo- Motorola phone version 3i or something. Thing. uh there is a series 60 phones for nokia there's rock any rockbox media player there's a sony psp i don't exactly know why those get called out i, th- I think because the i I'm, I'm guessing because the id product values the the firmware that gets burned into that device by the manufacturer um i'm, I'm assuming because they they have they must have either just one um product ID for a bunch of different models. Or because they have too many product ids to count maybe i'm I'm not yeah that must be something like that yeah so yeah anyway um that that so it must just make sense like okay well these these just just give them this label you know just just give them this environment variable to identify them because it doesn't really matter whether it's a a slim or a nano or a pico or a whatever an opus it's just it's just one it's one of those things um whereas For for the other the other set of things, in that you could possibly plug in, there are the in this package. There's the hwdb uh, file in lib slash 20 usb dash media dash so hwdb is a, a subsystem within udev to provide really just the the you know it's kind of the the, the most frequent use of udev probably uh, may possibly like it's a really common function to to look the, for, for, to to be writing a, a rule for udev to say okay if if it's this vendor and this product then label it as such and such or or give me permissions to 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 access it as a normal user or whatever so to just associate a a product ID and a vendor ID to a, a known quantity, to a, to a thing. You can use a hardware database. It's a key value store for associating mod alias-like keys. I don't know what that, that is. That means, it's from this is from the man page of HWDB. To UDEV property-like values. Uh, it is used primarily by UDEV to add the relevant properties to matching devices. It almost makes more sense if you just look at the file because it's really obvious what it's doing I think uh, so again that's in libudev hwdb.d 20-usb-media-players.hwdb and it does it, you know, the first line comment is that the first line yeah first line comment liquid okay so this is like uh an acer device called a li- called liquid uh usb colon v zero five zero two p three two zero two asterisk id underscore media underscore player equals acer underscore liquid ID underscore media underscore player underscore icon underscore name equals multimedia player dash player. All right. Picture that, um, except how many times? Uh, 3,000 times. Call it 3,000. So lots of them. I mean, they're actually, it's probably a lot less than 3,000 because every single item has four three or four lines associated with it so let's say a thousand times it's a lot but but that's the that's the syntax is hey if you detect something that comes up with this metadata because this metadata got burned into that physical device by the manufacturer then label it as this thing give it this icon name and the thing that is it's being labeled as of course maps back to the mpi files included in this package and so udev is able to mark a a player that you've plugged into your usb port as a specific player according to a hardware database and then it is able to Or And then other things that might care are able to look for information about that specific thing. So if you're writing a media, you know, like a podcatcher or a media playing application that you want to be able to sync back and forth to a media player, then you know now that you can use, that you can query... ID underscore media underscore player, that's the the environment variable that would be associated with a media player, grep for that name, Acer underscore liquid, or Apple underscore iPod, or uh, whatever, and then from there, you can look up the MPI file to find out what, what you need to know just by default, what you sh- what what do you need to look at this storage device or at the, at this media player device as is it is it just MTP storage or is it something else some other protocol How, what library needs to interact with and so on that's what me- USB media player info does and like I say I think u- UDev is um, it it is a, I think the rules are a little bit clunky um, in a way but. I think that overall, I think it does its job really, really well, and I've been I've been pretty happy with it. I mean, I don't get, like, really excited about having to write a UDev rule. That's never happened. I, I never think, oh, cool, now I get to go in and troubleshoot UDev. This is going to be great. Um, I'm much more excited when something just magically works. That's really nice, but, I mean, that's just not realistic, you know? I mean, like, New hardware, not listed in UDEV, or, you know, no one's come up with a rule for that yet or whatever. You just have to mess around with it. The The point is that, that once you kind of understand how to do UDEV, how to write that rule, what you need to be looking for, then... It, it does eventually work. Like, you, it, it's dependent upon your logic, your understanding of certain conditions within UDEV. I think that my main problem with UDEV, I think, is that it's, there's never, it's really difficult to, to sort of, like, you think of UDEV as a cause and effect, you know? Like, if this device gets added, then do something. But in the syntax of the UDEV rule, there doesn't really seem to be a differentiation between the if and the then action equals equals add comma go to equals blah that's that's kind of common because like if the action is add then go to this label okay that's cool but it can get a lot more complex than that i mean even if it's just action equals add blah, um what is it uh subsystem equals block id or yeah um attre, a- attribute equals or you know attribute id product equals zero 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 one attribute id vendor equals zero 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 eight comma Ian uh yeah env uh, curly race um I my string closed curly race equals blah where's the then in that, in that statement. I mean, it's, it's, it's the last one, I guess, like, I guess you could think of that, but that's not, that doesn't say to me that that's a then, that just says that that's just more, possibly, that's more stuff to look for, I don't know, looking at it, it's difficult to differentiate, like, the parts that are querying a device, or, or parsing data, and setting new data. I think that's my main thing about the Udev syntax. Moving on to MHash. MHash is a C library that helps you create a hash. We talked about I think hash is a little bit and salting and things like that uh, a while ago. I don't remember if we just talked about the hash part. I don't know a whole lot about it, so I'm gonna. It's gonna be quick. First of all, confusingly, and and I, I'm sure that there's a good reason for this. They're probably related mathematically or something. But hashing bizarrely has two different definitions in programming in the programming world. There's you can make a hash as a a map or you can hash a thing like i say i'm sure they're related i'll bet someone out there who knows the low level sort of theory but underneath all of this stuff would will, will know but um for for us sort of generalists um it it can be a little bit of a confusing conversation point so you can make a hash map or or you know just hash you can you can be hashing something and 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 you're just you're you're saying okay well here's a set of here's some things and here's the data that relates to those things and how do you get how do you keep track of object a data set a object b Dataset B. How do you how do you associate those to one another? That's a hash map and that is a valid use of the word hash The other use of the word hash is a technique is this a mathematical process of generating a a a definitively a fixed size um, output from something that is of an unknown length So, for instance, if, um, well, the simple one, I guess, although, I mean, I wish there was a simpler one, but, um, the simplest one would be echo, quote, hello, close quote, pipe, md5sum, space, dash, dash, text. I don't know if you actually need the dash, dash, text. Um, yeah, you don't. So, just echo, hello, pipe md5sum that takes the word the string hello and does some math functions to produce a file that is, or not a file a a number that is roughly a 36 and then minus a couple more so I don't know so let's say 32 digits long give or take I, I I'm not counting them but I just did a WC C and it came out with 36 there are some extra characters in there so anyway let's say 32 that seems likely 32 digits long now that's that's the word hello right so if i do the world the, the word hello world which is is longer still i get a different number but it's still 32 digits long and i could put in hello world this is uh, a beautiful open source day still 32 digits long so i've got variable lengths of input here and i'm reducing them down to a to a to a string of of hex hexadecimal, you have this number of hexadecimal, a hexadecimal number uh, that is 32 digits long, no matter what. It's it's a little bit magical, and you can kind of imagine doing that with some kind of function of, what, what is it, like, I guess, th- is it 3 or 9? or I guess both. 3 and 9 are pretty fancy, right? Because I think, no, it's 9 that I'm thinking of, where the, the sum of the two digits, if it's divisible by 9, always add up to nine so you could you could imagine sort of like in a super simple like elementary grade uh, level mathematics understanding such as is my understanding of math um you can kind of imagine how that would work you know you could you could probably come up with some really poor poorly implemented and very inefficient way of taking a string of digits and maybe translating them to numbers through some kind of you know caesar uh, caesar uh, script uh and then and then adding them up until you reach you know two digits every time, or one digit every time or something like that. I mean, not, it wouldn't be the best way of doing things because then how would you unhash it? But you know what I mean? Like, so it's it's a mathematical thing where you you take things and you reduce them num- to numbers or you interpret those numbers, run them through a function whereby in the end you have 32 digits to represent that thing. And if if anything changes about that, then that that number changes. So if I um, if I do echo hello through md5sum, and I get um, uh, I get b19, b19, blah, 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 184, that's that's great, that works, but then if I do echo hello with a capital H instead of a lowercase h, just one little tiny change, then I get a, re- a return value of 0, 9, f, blah, 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 three, uh, 3, b3. So completely different number with just one little tiny change, something that you might not even think would even be that big of a deal. I mean, it's the same letter, right? Well, of course, it's not really. Uh, change the O to a zero. Again, totally, totally different. It might look the same, but it's totally different. So this is obviously something that is used a lot when you're downloading files from the internet because, and, and you want to make sure that you're getting the exact same file that the author claims that they posted. Then you could use this. And I, I mean, I, I calculate for whatever for whatever good it is. I calculate the um, the SHA. 256 sums of each episode of this podcast in fact so if you were ever um unclear as to whether you know if, if one of the episodes cut off in the in the middle and you think oh did did i not download the whole episode did it get truncated somehow you could in theory do a SHA 256 sum of your file and then go back to my website uh, info and look at the SHA256 sum of that that I believe I posted and if they're the same number then yeah you might want to email me and tell me hey you you only posted half an episode or if they're different then you real you, you would know you didn't you didn't get the full You didn't get the file that i posted you got some something else maybe part of it maybe uh maybe something that got corrupted in the in the transfer whatever it's not the same so that's uh, the practical use for that and mhash is the way that you would do all of those things through just in your c code next up is mlt this is a video editor MLT. This is the back end for video editing, and um, it's a really, really useful library, as it turns out, because not just one, not just two, but at least three open source video editors are based on MLT. And I think when you start to see that, that's kind of... that that says something, you know? Like, that's... that is... that's... Um, that's a thing about open source, is, is you, you start to see... The proliferation of of a component throughout lots of different iterations. And, and you realize just how useful this model can be. And, and this is an interesting one because you might... The counter argument to that, which I think a lot of us have made sometimes in the past and and because it, it's easy to fall into this the counter argument to that is well why do we need three well like why if if there's a video editor and it works perfectly well, well like why bother with three of them let's just put all of our efforts into the one and, and that, that's because not all video editor humans like the people actually editing using the applications we're not all necessarily the same we don't all like the same thing and so the fact that you can use Cadian live and you're you're using MLT uh, on the back end you'll never know you're using MLT but, but that's what's happening and someone else can use flowblade and someone else could use shotcut they're all based around MLT I mean that's huge that's a big deal because that means that there is one effort going into the 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 editing process part, that's the MLT, like that's what's actually doing the heavy lifting. And then there's a whole other set of efforts going on in making the application itself look and feel and act in a way that someone happens to like better than another way. Cadian Live and Flowblade offer drastically different experiences. Um, I default to Cadian Live, it it really is kind of the the steadiest going right now and has been for a while. Uh, Shotcut is is really cool and I, I, I do need to look at it again i i kind of got away from from looking at it uh but i i should check another i i should take another look at that uh, as far as i know a shot cut is made by the same guy dan uh as who as the person who is who who works on mlt i, I could be a little bit wrong about that but that's as, as my memory serves um so yeah, it's really cool, and and Mlt also has, as you can as you can see from the package list, it also has. Oh, my history is a lot longer right now than I realized. All right, so var log packages Mlt. There we go. Um, Mlt also has a command melt melt seven specifically, and melt the the melt um, command is the 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 terminal version the the version of this uh, of all of the the functions that MLT provides through its libraries um it also provides through this command now the command i don't think it is intended as a as an actual terminal editor like i don't believe that's the intent and i say that because the first line in the documentation for melt is melt was developed as a test tool for the mlt f- uh, framework so i don't believe that they intend for this to be a sort of deliverable you know release target i mean it is. It is a release target. It, it exists. Um, you can do what you want. You can use it as, as a, a, a terminal-based editor if you want. Um, I have had mixed results with it. Um, I, I can get it to do things, but it doesn't... When it plays, at least on my current Slackware system, it doesn't actually play. It just sort of... It, it shows a window um, that is a copy of whatever is behind it. Um, And it appears to be playing sometimes i can hear the audio but it doesn't play the video i've tried piping it through av format i've tried lots of different things it just doesn't seem to work so that's been my experience right now and that again just this is just the terminal component so you know cadian live works brilliantly works perfectly frame uh, flowblade works brilliantly like no no problems it's just melt the command doesn't seem to know what to do with, with with the clips that i feed it in theory though it is very cool and the idea is that you can tell it to play a series of files one after the other and suddenly you have got a you've got a movie that that's that's what a movie is like that you you have now edited clips together but it, that there's more to it than that of course you can you can set the in and the out points of of those clips. You can set filters. You can set the transitions between the clips. You can create video tracks and 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 list different tracks. That di- you know, put different video on different tracks and and com- uh, composite them and and all kinds of things. So there is quite a lot you can do with the Melt command. I think what the Melt command, uh, for me, what is missing is the uh, any concept of a workflow. So for instance, if you're actually editing video on in your terminal you you need to know like you're not going to just know the in and out points naturally you don't know exactly when to cut in and out so you need to you're going to have to audition the clip and then you're going to have to mark your desired in and out point for that specific clip and then you'd want to work that into your edit and 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 then you'd want to output to to a some some kind of render file eventually and i don't know so it's it's i i see it's I see the, the theory, and I see, and I think the, the work, the, the, the workflow that does exist is super obvious and easy to, to understand, really. I mean, it is, it's, you just melt, that's the command, and then clip one dot, um, dot opus, no, dot, uh, web m, clip two dot web m, um, and that's it, you know. I mean, or or you could say like, well, you can do all the things that I told that I said. You can mix them, you can transition between them, and so on. So, I mean, it's and and that's all you do is you list it in the order that you want things to happen, and and it, it kind of, I guess, kind of works, right? I mean, it's just really obvious. Um, <laughs> that is, if if you can get it to play on your screen, which I, I cannot apparently right now. Um, so it is, it is kind of there is. A certain beauty here to that. I just, for me, to, to take it sort of seriously as a terminal editor, which is in itself kind of funny because nobody takes a terminal video editor seriously. Like, nobody's looking for that. It's just, it is a workflow that is not optimal, really. Like, the, the most obvious thing to do with clips of video is to put them into a video editing application so that you can audition each clip and then mark in and out and then put them in your timeline and so on. It, there, I feel like there's an established workflow that just kind of makes sense. I do personally feel intrigued by the concept of editing video in a terminal. I actually used to do it quite often when I was teaching film courses. There would be times where I would need to string things together. I've done it even more recently than that. I had to do a sort of a I did a fan edit of a, of a horror movie because I didn't like the intro. So I reworked the intro, and I couldn't be bothered to bring it into a video editor. And I just did it in, the, in a terminal, and it worked great. Um, not with Melt. I did it with just FFmpeg. I used to do it with Implayer, So, yeah, it's, it's a thing that I think does have a place. It has its use. And I think with Melt, the command, I think, obviously, the intent, I think, is for them to be able to test different Melt um melt files melt mlt the whole thing it speaks in xml and so it it creates these files and if you look at like a acadian live um the save file it's all xml so you look at this and and it, it's got di- different you know it it, it it has xml with names of clips the endpoints the outpoints the uh, all of the different things around it and then melt or MLT rather, uh, interprets that and and ideally should be able to play it back for you. And In theory, unless the application developer has done a a lot of very customized things with their application, like a a quote-unquote pure MLT editor, ought to be able to just, you should be able to pass your your MELT file from one editor to the next. Now, I know that Shotcut and the MELT command are, are, yeah, you can pass those two back and forth the last time I checked. I don't know if the same is true for Cadian Live and for Flowblade. it might be. I just haven't I haven't looked into it. But but MLT is, is very cool, and it, it handles, like, the in-and-out points. It handles the concepts of video tracks and of filters. Filters are things that essentially are fed a frame from some source, from a producer, as they call it, and and then that filter gives you a frame back with something, probably, uh, with something changed, something's altered. Like, maybe it's been composited, maybe it's been turned black and white maybe it's been flipped or flopped whatever that's what a filter is and and that's that's cool because that then you can do video effects and things like that so mlt is is i mean it, it is video editing on linux to be honest i mean it really is it is it is it is the back end for video editing on linux so if you're if you're using flowblade which you're probably not kadian live which probably should be Shotcut, which you can uh, then you're using mlt um, I don't know what, uh, what's the, what's the, well, Open Broadcaster, OBS. I mean, that's not strictly speaking. Well, strictly speaking, it is a video editor, but nobody thinks of it as a video editor. I guess it's a video mixer. I don't think that's using MLT. And what's the other one? Um, OpenShot. I don't think that's using MLT. MLT, but I could be wrong about that. I mean, it's not listed on MLT's website, so I don't know. Yeah, it might not be using MLT. I don't remember, but it, it's a big deal. MLT is is a major force in video editing for Linux, uh, and it's we're just we're we're really, frankly, just we're we're lucky to have it. It's just such a nice little toolkit. So uh, I think I'll stop it here. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Clatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is clatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not clatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music. Okay, hero, let's get you into your flight suit.